0: The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples." Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he, so if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into his sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the father has given me? So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First, they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Thank you, Tatiana, for reading God's word for us. Good morning again, everyone. I'm Artez um, Henderson Sr. got a junior running around. Um, I'm one of the pastors here at Downtown Church, and I just want to welcome those of you who are joining us for the first time, second, third, or the 200th time. Uh, it's always good to see new faces, and it's good to see, I'm not going to say old, familiar faces. But um, we are continually uh, in our series, in John... And I have the privilege of walking us through uh, the first 14 verses in John chapter 18. But before we move forward, I do want to invite us into just a brief moment to prepare our hearts and minds as we hear from the most important voice as he's speaking to us through his word. So I just want to invite you just to take a brief moment to prepare your heart and your mind to hear from the Lord himself. Father, thank you for your word, thank you for your love, and the power for you to even preserve your word, and yet you still speak to us. I pray that we just, we don't receive these words casually, that we were receiving with reverence and honor that you would remove the distractions, the burdens that are heavy on our hearts and minds. And if they remain there, I pray that your word would be the healing bomb that will bring hope, that will bring healing. I pray for myself, Lord. I am anxious right now. You know exactly what I need. It's not about me, Lord. It's it's about you. So use your servant as you speak to us through your eternal word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I do appreciate God for his intentionality, how he gave us his, his word in the Bible. And I'm convinced that the Bible, it contains so many relevant truths, so many timely truths that's relevant for all people throughout all times and all places in every area of life and every season of life. And among several issues in the Bible, it addresses many, but one of the issues that God doesn't shy away from is suffering, hardships, He doesn't sugarcoat the realities that we experience in our broken world, especially for those who are Christians, and even those who are not followers of Christ. But we most definitely will experience or have experienced dark days, days of trials. And I have conversations with many of you on a weekly basis. I check in. Uh, You trust me with different things that you share with me, just updating me on your life, about loss that you've recently experienced, disappointment, uh, frustration. Uh, Maybe it's a, a physical ailment that you're experiencing or a loved one that's experiencing, and the doctors really don't have any answers. I'm very familiar with those conversations. I hear you, brothers and sisters, but God, he hears you. He sees you. (laughs) He's committed to ministering to your your bodies, your minds, your hearts, your, your whole being with his everlasting word of comfort, of encouragement. We find ourselves in John chapter 18, And Jesus, this hour that he's been foretelling is is getting closer and closer. What is that hour? That that hour is the hour that he was born to go to. That, That hour was the mission that he committed his life, that he would go to the cross and absorb the full wrath of God, to use his language, to drink the wrath, to drink the cup of the wrath of God. And Jesus is so kind to take us into that particular journey, those last dark days. So the question that I want to submit to us is, what are we to learn about this text that Sister Tatiana just read? What are we to learn about Jesus' last dark days? Jesus is so familiar with loneliness. He experienced depression. He experienced betrayal. He experienced grief. So what are we to learn from Jesus? And if I could put it plainly, we can learn that Jesus can be trusted. That Jesus knows exactly what you and I are going through on any given day, any given week. And if you allow me, I want to submit to you a big idea for this morning in our text. That is, we must trust Christ in our dark and chaotic days, because he's still in complete control, and he cares for us. And as we make our way through our text, I I want us to grab hold of just four reminders of encouragement for you, for me, the preacher, when we're going through these dark and chaotic days. And the first encouragement I want to remind you of is that Christ... Is prepared to handle all of our adversities because he knows all things. And we see this in verse 1 through 4. If you lived any time on this world, in this, in this world, you, you have experienced some kind of level of difficulty. And adversity, adversity doesn't discriminate. It don't matter if you're young, old, rich, poor. Educated, uneducated. Diver- uh, adversity, it doesn't even discriminate against the God man, Jesus himself. You see, Jesus wrote it in the script. The, the Father wrote it in the script. This was his his narrative, his life, that he would be a man that's familiar with adversity. He didn't excuse himself from going through hardship. Because he wanted to intentionally identify himself with you and I as a close friend, as a brother, not some distant deity that cannot relate to what we're going through. And as the prophet Isaiah, who who prophesied several years before Jesus was even born in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 33, hear these words of Isaiah as he prophesied about this coming Messiah. He said he was despised and rejected by others and a man of sorrow, intimately familiar with suffering and like one from whom people hide their faces and we despise him and did not value him. Jesus takes us into this this night. It was a difficult night for him. I mean, can you imagine being one of those disciples? You just broke bread with your rabbi. Now you set on this journey. He keeps reminding you that he's going to the cross, that he's going to lay his life down. And you're walking several miles, and y'all end up at this familiar lodging place to rest. It's deep into the night. You can hear your rabbi praying. You dozing off, waking back up, and suddenly, you hear the footsteps of men marching closer and closer. You can hear the clanging of their armor and the, the weaponry of these soldiers of the Roman, the Roman army and these officers of the temple. And you peek your head outside in the window, you see these bright-lit torches coming closer and closer. And you just happen to glance across the room and you see your rabbi Jesus, he gets up. He seemed unfazed, unbothered, and he heads to the door to see what's going on. In real time, the disciples, they don't know what's going on. But apparently the the Holy Spirit, he he revealed exactly what was going on when John was writing this gospel 57 years after Jesus was was crucified. Verse 4 tells us, Jesus knowing all that would happen. (laughs) He didn't have a general sense of what would happen. He didn't have some kind of hypothesis. Man, I think this may, you know. He didn't just know 30% of the information that would happen. The Bible is clear. Jesus knew all that would happen. Jesus wasn't surprised by anything. So how does that speak to your situation? your circumstances right now. I'm sure that many of us in this room, (laughs) you probably feel like God forgot about you. You probably feel like you've been praying and petitioning before God night after night, day after day. And maybe you're convinced that Jesus is in heaven. He's kind of scrambling, trying to find a solution to your issues. But we can be assured that Jesus knows all about what you're going through. He knows all about your adversity, that your fault, that you're facing right now. And Jesus as a great high priest, he grieves with you, but he also grieves for you. And you can be at peace that he's still at work, but it's on his timing. And I know, if you like me, you're a person of instant gratification. You want it now. I mean, right now. But God doesn't work on our timing. He works on His timing. But I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, Psalms 139 is very clear in other places in God's Word that every day of your life has already been written. Every trial that you will face has already been placed. But God is faithful that He will meet you there. at The highest places, but He'll definitely meet you And the lowest places, Jesus is prepared to handle all your adversities because he knows all things. The second encouragement we see in God's word is that Christ is Lord. And he has complete control over all things. I mean, to know what's going on or what's going to happen is one thing. But to to be in complete control as to how it will unfold, that's a whole nother thing. I mean, it's mind blowing, y'all. But that's, that's God. That's who he is. And that's what he does. But look how this story unfolds. Jesus, he gets up. He hears the, the bounty hunters outside. And he goes to the door to see what's going on. He sees this arresting group, and he immediately takes charge. Yeah, see, he's the first person to ask the questions. He's interrogating them, whom do you seek? What y'all want, who are y'all looking for? Jesus is reminding us that he is still in control. Verse four tells us, Jesus asked the group, whom do you seek? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus replied, I am he. In the original language, it simply reads, I am. This is a familiar uh, phrase. This is a familiar title in John's gospel. If you've been following with us, if you're familiar with the, the gospel of John, you know that John penned seven different I am statements. And these were the statements that Jesus proclaimed throughout his ministry. But Jesus didn't have anything to prove to anyone. He didn't have to prove to them his authority. He didn't have to prove his sovereignty his eternality, his equality with God, so on and so forth. But this powerful and brief title, it struck a chord with the soldiers. We read in verse 6, it says, they drew back and fell to the ground. I mean, did did y'all get that? These soldiers, these, these men who came to arrest Jesus, at the declaration of his response to them, telling them that I am the person you're looking for, they drew back. They fell to the ground. When I first read that, I was like, what is going on? I need some other people who smarter than me to help me try to understand what's going on. It's ironic. These men, they, they were enemies of God. They were, they were men of valor. They were equipped with weaponry and, and armor. They were prepared for resistance, but at a word they fell down. Not at their commanding officer, but at Jesus. But this is a proper response to divine revelation. I think they knew their Bible. <laughs> they knew when the glory of God showed up and if you allow me, if we could just take a brief journey back to the Old Testament, we, we could see these accounts, this, this powerful but humbling accounts with people have an encounter with the living God. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 28, he tells us about this vision. He says, such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face. And I heard of the voice of the one speaking. We're moving along. Our brother Daniel in chapter 10, verse 9. He says, then I heard the sound of his words. And as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And As we jump to the New Testament and we read about Our brother Paul, formerly known as Saul, his encounter with the Lord. Do y'all remember in Acts chapter 9, verse 3 through 4, Luke tells us now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And what did he do? And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Brothers and sisters, this is the Lord that we serve, the one who shows up, the one who is with us in all his might, in all his glory. At a word, the angels fall down and worship him. At his word, his enemies fall down and worship him. But I want to remind you, Chester, it's not just his enemies. It's not just the angels that bow down at his word, it's our circumstances too. Yeah. What you are going through right now, what you just came out of, your circumstances are not calling the shots. Amen. And let me tell you something else, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself, y'all. You're not calling the shots. No matter how resilient you think you are or how resilient you think you have to be, it's not up to you. It's up to God. In every circumstance that we go through, good, bad, ugly, they're all submitted to the Lord. I heard a pastor, he said something profound. I jotted it down, it was several years ago, and it's just a timely reminder He says, our circumstances are only possible with God's permission. Our circumstances must abide by God's purposes that always work for our good. Every circumstance, every hardship, every adversity that we go through has to abide by God's plan. And I know... I know you've been asking, you've been crying out, you've been pleading, you've been asking a lot of why questions to God. Maybe you've been asking, when, God? When would this get better? may not always have the answers that we're looking for. But brothers and sisters, we can look at a 66-book letter, and we can reaccount all god's goodness and we can see his unchangeable character he's trustworthy he's been proven trustworthy and i think church we need to develop a stronger muscle that says god i may not understand exactly what you're doing i probably will never understand why you're doing it but god would you help my heart help my mind help my will to submit to whatever you're doing, to submit to your goodness, to submit to your authority. And may we have that posture of our Lord Jesus Christ to say, not my will be done, but Lord, your will be done. God, help me stay close to you when I feel tempted to stray, when I feel tempted to hide and isolate myself from you. Brothers and sisters, we can be encouraged that Christ is Lord and that he's in control over all things. There is a third encouragement that we can take from John's gospel when we're going through our dark days, and that is Christ will preserve his disciples by his promises and his love. Look with me in verse 8 and 9. Jesus answered, I told you. That I am He. So if you seek me, let these men go. And this was to fulfill the word that He had spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Being in a relationship with Christ, it's the most securing relationship you would ever experience. I promise you. Jesus commits himself to his true disciples, not just with promises, but also with actions. And so for Jesus, walking away from this relationship is not an option. No matter how hard stuff gets, he ain't going nowhere. And Paul reminded us in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he said, he who began a good work in you will complete it to the day of Christ." you talking about some vows. <laughs> you know, you, you're talking about romance. That's love. Not the cute stuff that you just post on social media when everything's going good. What about the dark days? But let's be honest. Sometimes we feel some kind of way towards Jesus, especially in those dark days. You feel like throwing in a towel. You feel like giving up. You feel like rebelling. You feel like going back to some of those things that he, he actually pulled you out of. Maybe the old friendships, old relationships or situationships, whatever ship it was that wasn't healthy for you. When we go through those dark days, we're tempted to go back. But thank God this this, this relationship, if, if you're in Jesus and he has, he has saved you from the inside out, he has sealed you with his spirit, you can be at peace that he will preserve you to the end. I'm so grateful that it ain't up to me that I got to hold on to God. That's the basis of our relationship. But it is God who's holding on to me. Verses 8 through 9 in John chapter 18, we witness this, this faithfulness, this sacrificial love of Jesus. We read about this, this group of soldiers who, has, who have conspired to arrest Jesus, prepared for resistance. And what about the disciples? What about these young men who have forsaken all things to follow their rabbi? Now they sit on the sideline watching their rabbi, watching their, their savior, their friend being accused of an unjust crime. Look at Jesus. He stands in the doorway of this lodging place. and He protects his disciples. He says, take me and leave them alone. Do y'all see it? He stands in the door and he protects his disciples. He say, take me and leave them alone. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. In other words, nobody's coming in to get to my sheep unless they come through me. Jesus says, take me. What a faithful shepherd. What a faithful, sacrificial savior that puts himself in harm's way to protect us, not only physically, But I would even go so far to say this was pointing to the spiritual reality, that he would preserve us to the end. I have been a part of several weddings. And I remember it was wedding season in college, and I feel like all my friends were getting married, and it was expensive. Like, I love y'all, but y'all, like, really, you know, caused me to go broke. But regardless, uh, I enjoy sitting out, you know, and observing versus standing up there and all that good stuff. Um, I also enjoy officiating, such a blessing to be able to be part of someone's journey. But if y'all been a part of a wedding, you know, you sit, you take it all in, you see the, the beautiful couple grinning from ear to ear. And then the ceremony, the minister is walking them through different vows, to love each other through sickness and through health, through plenty in one, forsaking all others, et cetera, et cetera, blah, 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 But we're happy for that couple. But y'all, let me tell y'all, man, we've been married nine years. This ain't got nothing to do with Emily. It's all me. I'm taking all the, all the blame. It's hard to faithfully live out your vows, when we said them vows 2013, we had no idea what we was really saying. <laughs> but years into it, I'm like, oh, gotcha. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> She's going to be in my ear when we get in the car. <laughs> However, we've been... Directly and indirectly impacted by broken vows. And it hurt. In a world of broken promises in friendships, relationships, marriages, we all need to anchor our hearts in the one who is the promise keeper. There is only one true covenant keeping God who commits himself to his bride, his church. And this is for all who find their faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ that sacrificial, bloody, gruesome death, that victorious resurrection, and that glorious ascension and reign. Doesn't matter if you're single doesn't matter if you're married, engaged, divorced, widowed. There is a faithful spouse in Jesus who will always love through the worst times. He, was, he will preserve us in his love until the very end. One Bible teacher wrote, he said, The good shepherd has committed himself to his sheep. When a wolf comes, he will remain and defend the flock he loves. Whatever the world may represent in our lives today, guilt and shame from past failures, the accusing voices of criticism, sudden paralyzing feelings of inadequacy, as they come snapping and snarling at our heels, the good shepherd is there to meet them and to issue his command, let my disciples go. When these things show up at the door of your house, of your mind, the insecurity, the trauma, the pain, the anxiety, who would you trust to confront those things? Is it you and your own power? Are you leaning and trusting in the strength and the power of the Lord, who is the good shepherd, who says, let my disciple go? It is the Lord who preserved his his disciples with his love and with his promise. And lastly, brothers and sisters, I want us to see the last encouragement that we can see in John for our dark days. It was Christ's perfect obedience in his darkest days, that secured an eternal comfort for all of our days. If you look at the story, from Jesus' divine point of view, everything was unfolding the way the Father had already planned it. But from the disciples' point of view, things were getting out of hand. How do we know that? In Luke's account of this same particular story, the disciples were thinking, they even asked Jesus, Lord, should we strike by sword? And we see in all four of the Synoptic Gospels, it was Peter who jumped out with his sword to kill one of the soldiers. They end up cutting his ear. You see, Peter, in his point of view, was being loyal to his Savior. I mean, after all, we can't be too harsh on Peter. He was trying to protect his rabbi. He didn't know what was going on. He panicked. But Jesus rebuked that. In other words... What God had planned, Peter really wasn't rocking with it. <laughs> it wasn't making logical sense, so he had to help God out. And it was clumsy. He hurt somebody else doing it. He, was, he wasn't displaying courage. He wasn't explain, displaying bravery. It was actually unbelief. Jesus said, this is how it's going to be. Peter said, no, there's another way. What about us? What's that Peter-like tendency that you have in your life when things are getting difficult and you think God needs help? You think God needs a co-pilot, a backseat driver. Ah, you missed a turn. Hey, it's coming up right now. God doesn't need our input. He needs our trust and our obedience. You saying, Pastor, it sounds like you saying just be, pay- uh, be passive. I'm not saying Be passive. In fact, when things are going chaotic, instead of being passive, be honest. Name those things. Don't act like they don't, they, they're not bothering you. They're not affecting you. But look how the story unfolds. Peter slices the guy's ear. Jesus graciously heals this priest's ear. But even at healing, even after the soldiers bow down, they got up and it didn't change their motives. Your ear just got sliced off. Somebody just healed your ear. You think you owe that man something. But the healing was just a foretaste of what we would experience hours later when Jesus would hang high on that cross, that he would be pierced in his hands and his feet, and that he would experience hell itself on our behalf that he will conquer our past dark days, our present dark days, and our future dark days. But I don't want to jump ahead, but why not? We know how the story ends. It is those beautiful words that Jesus said on the cross, Father, it is finished. It is finished. So if I can put it plain, what, what, what encourages us? What give us any hope in our dark days? We remind ourselves that we have a Savior who's familiar with adversity, who has died on our behalf, and He secured eternal hope, present comfort that we can rest in, even though things may not get as good as we would like them to get. This story reminds us, that even good news can come out of bad news. It was from the disciples' point of view that things were getting out of hand. But it was from God's, Jesus' divine point of view. Things were going exactly as planned. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you that it is hope. Not when things are just are going well, but even when things are Chaotic. Thank you for modeling us perfect obedience, trusting the Father's plan. Thank you for loving us, not just with words, but with actions. And I pray, God, that that will pierce our hearts and our minds, that we will let go, stop trying to control our lives, but submit to you. Submit to your trustworthy character, your trustworthy track record. And God, preserve us, God, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And it's in Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said together, amen. Amen, Amen, brothers and sisters. Would you extend your arms as as you receive God's blessing? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all forever. Amen. Go in peace.